Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Let me greet you properly. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's do this one more time. He is risen. What a glorious high day. I love Easter time, as I'm sure you do, and I really believe in that rabbit that goes around and drops eggs all over the place. <laughs> no, but it's fun for the kids, isn't it? All the, and then the parents get to eat egg salad for the next week. <sighs> so and, and heard some folks last night and they were boiling eggs and only boiled them for three minutes and Brenda and I went oh boy (laughs) don't throw those eggs that's going to be a mess I'm an old farm boy those things got to boil ten minutes or they're pretty squishy how's everybody doing good so good to see you all well Easter Sunday you know, you think, after preaching so many years, how can you, you know, something, how do you, don't you just do the same thing every year? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I wait on the Lord, and then it's, and it's really good. And what greater message. So in listening to the victor on the way in, life conquered death. He has won it. it it's done. It's finished. And uh, I don't know, maybe Keith Green's lost on, on this day and age. Not in my heart. Man, hearing him sing that, I don't know if you ever got a chance to see Keith in concert. Oh my gosh, the piano would bounce on the stage, you know. He would hit the piano so hard. And, uh, and yet he could be so still and quiet. And um, he had a profound effect on, a, on several generations, I think. So many things about Easter and the resurrection we can discuss for all eternity. Um, You think through it, Jesus, the suffering servant, dies in the most horrific yet heroic way possible for everyone. He is the conquering superhero of all time, isn't he? Last week, in speaking about mercy, I talked about how it needs to be personalized, that until mercy is personalized and I receive it and I uh, in be engulfed with it, uh, it's really hard to understand. Well, that's what happened at the cross. Jesus personalized his death and his resurrection for you and I, because this isn't a... This isn't a one-shot holiday. Okay, we celebrate his resurrection. No, it starts throughout a week, actually, uh, called Holy Week. And the celebration goes through what he did in the upper room, what he did when, even before that, when he entered Jerusalem, which was his, his city, and he enters that to be the, proclaimed the king, then the upper room and the the if you will, the, the privacy of that message, you know, now we just, 
that, but it was so fresh and intimate, shared with those 12 people around, probably sitting on some side of the floor or cushions or something. You know, tables didn't come along until much later in, in history. They, if there was a table, it was very low to the ground. But the intimacy of being in that upper room and then the struggles in the garden, then the whole horrific manner in which he was led to his death, and then that awful waiting period. Don't you hate to wait? No? You all okay with it, huh? I hate to wait. I want it now. And then that glorious stone rolled away. Mel Gibson's film captured it. I think for me it's emblazoned where there's that the the stone gets rolled away and you just see that shadow and then you hear that breath. (sighs) And it's like, ah, he conquered it. It did, it happened, you know, and it's just like it's for me, it's like get born again, you know, it's that breath I take in. So for me, and I, I know for many of you, hopefully all of you, it takes a lifetime of gazing in awe and wonder, and really to work it out in our thinking also. Lifetime of training, yet when we come to some of the deepest roots of all that ails us, um, I've landed here. It's not so much sin, But it's the fear of judgment that deeply plagues us. When we look at the issue of Jesus laying down his life and then taking it back up, it all has to do, and if it's personalized, it has to do with judgment. Tulian Chavidian wrote this. I have it up on there for you. The deepest fear we have... The fear beneath all fears is not the fear of not measuring up, the fear of judgment. That's the fear it is. It's the fear that creates the stress and depression of everyday life. It's how we can feel, be followers in love with Jesus and then feel suddenly far away. And the real feeling that's creating that is I'm going, ooh, I'm not doing good enough. I don't measure up. Um, I used to go through this. We used to call it dry times. Did you go through dry times? I'm just in a dry season, brother. It's like saltine crackers, no water. And I feel very far from God. Well, the issue was, really, if you got honest and didn't uh, look anyplace else, it, it was the issue. God hadn't gone anyplace, had he? He doesn't actually leave. When you've received him, matter of fact, when you've received him, you can't get rid of him. Matter of fact, we've been sold a bill of goods. We, we think that sinning's easy to do. And repentant living or living in God is hard to do. It's actually just the opposite. It's very easy to live in God. And it's very hard for a believer to sin. No amens, huh? It's very hard. You, you Listen, you got to go through those nano machinations in your head, little nanoseconds of figuring out whether you want to pay the price, the judgment, for your stupidity, <laughs> for what you're about to do, for what I'm about to do. 
and it, it, it's sad. God doesn't go anywhere. He made this life to be lived. That's why it's called life. We were meant to live in it. The removal of this kind of fear, of not measuring up, has its foundations rooted in the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's the, that's the basis of getting free. God wants to start something new. When we can embrace Easter, what happens at Easter, the celebration that we do of it, and it's confessed and celebrated, it can actually be the foundation for overcoming a hundred lesser fears. The fears of I don't count in a crowd. The fears of I'm not as good as... Because they're all measuring devices, aren't they? John 5.24 says this. It's, it's amazing. This is, this is like early on one of his teachings. He knew. He knows what's coming ahead to chapter 18. Now, they didn't have chapters in it, but this is him. When we're first getting a glimpse early in his ministry, he says in verse 24 of John 5, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. What? And shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. No, 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 no. That's not Romans Road. Romans Road is if you confess your sins and tell him how bad you've been and then move to the next step where you make a promise that you won't do those anymore and you'll try really hard, then life can happen and you're okay. What did he say here? He who receives me as sent from the Father. Now look at this, because we're scared of, are you scared of Judgment Day? Don't be scared of Judgment Day, it happened it happened back then. He who receives me passes from what? Death into life. We, we have, if you will, Easter is in our hearts. It's happened. It's not I have to do something. The measuring stick is him. Look at this. Jesus became sin, was judged for it, conquered the judgment, was raised into life through the resurrection to give you the results. Salvation and justification. We've said this here a lot of times before, but back in the day, in the day of, uh, you know, 40 and 50 years ago, and even, even up till now, if there's altar calls, it's come give your life to Jesus. That is not salvation. You are dead in trespass and sin. Salvation is God gives his life to you. That's salvation. What he did in the death and resurrection is a gift to you. And this is phenomenal. This is really good news. It's 
through believing that and receiving that, listen, he was raised from the dead for that purpose. Why was he raised from the dead? For your justification. So that you could, if you will, think of the measuring stick, so that you could be okay, so that I could be okay. What's thrilling and most often obscured, ignored, or forgotten is the incredible, brand new, Jesus-like you. The brand new you. The Jesus-like you. He didn't trade you in for a 1958 Edsel. Which is, by the way, they just don't make them anymore. You're brand new. It's a brand new you living in you, joined to you. It's stunning. He would do such a thing. So here's the measuring stick. Find it in Romans 5. This is how God decided to measure this whole thing. It says, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Not when you go to heaven in justification of life. Life here. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Yea, all who receive him are made righteous. Not imputed, imparted. Righteous. When I receive him, I'm I'm raised from the dead. I'm a righteous person. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, oh, what a wonderful word, grace <laughs> abounded much more. The word actually in the Greek is superabounded or hyperabounded. It's not measured. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That means right now, right up and through into eternity on the day that you stand before him in heaven. Isn't it interesting that in Revelation, the first thing Jesus does is wipe away tears. That's not, you stand before him in judgment. The first thing he does is wipe away a tear. I don't know about you, but... I'm not a big baby, but I cried a lot. I got hurt a lot, and I hurt a lot. I inflicted a lot. And the first thing he does is, oh, buddy, buddy, come here. You think there isn't rejoicing? To have him do that? Yeah, I want him to throw his arms around me. No, I want him to get rid of the tears. No more tears shampoo for me. As a, he's going to wipe those away. He's the measuring stick. 
Listen to Romans 8.28. Just listen to this. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We love to cherry pick that one and use it when we're going through tough stuff, but that's not what it's actually talking about. For whom he foreknew means he knew everything about you. Before your days, he knew that you would exist. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Behold glory. Oh, this is so difficult to do. You have no idea. Behold the glory of the Lord. What? Yeah, like, dude, you're wearing out. You're almost 70. <laughs> Behold glory. Isn't, isn't this an incredible thing? Through death and resurrection that God would plant himself in a human body in a bag of bones and flesh and live? And call me righteous. Not only call me that, but make me righteous. Come on, you guys. This is a stunner. We don't sing enough Easter songs. This, is, this isn't just a high holy day for the Lord. This is a high holy day for you. Reality setting in. Listen, he's the firstborn of us. He's the first in line of us. We always emphasize the first, but the rest are all looking just like him. Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God. What does God look like? Jesus. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. He's first. He wants to be first in all of our thoughts. In every measurement we have over ourselves and over others. He becomes the measuring stick. And he made you new through him. That's the great measurement. We know this one well, but we pass over it so quickly. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, what part? All things have become new. Referring to that person. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. What is that? Live 
live. Live in Christ in front of everybody. You don't have to prove anything. Just let him live his life in you. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Do you know what the word of reconciliation is? Jesus. Jesus. It's a word of reconciliation. We were remade to live in this. Not to get it to happen. I was taught my, almost all my entire Christian life that I had to get this to look like something. I had to change the measurements and check it every day to make sure I was there. Did I hit the decimal point? I would have never said that. Matter of fact, if you would told me that I was doing that, I would have gone, no, nah, until I got all alone in my secret heart of hearts and then went, gee, I hope I didn't do it today and blow something. Hope I didn't. So insecure. Not to get it to happen, but to celebrate it. To celebrate love, live in the reality that it has happened. The good news is it happened. Not the good news is if you do these things, you might see some of it. That's not good news. That's old news that never worked. That's Lloyd's seven equations to health and happiness. Didn't happen. We need to celebrate, and not just today, that we are risen and risen indeed. This is a mind blower. We keep trying to get something to happen and pray that it would happen and it's happened. You know how many times, oh God, that you would rend the heavens and come down. He's going, I did. I did that just for you. I rent the heavens and the earth, buddy. I tore my body in two for you. I didn't die for you, I died as you. And now you're raised to new life, live in me. Whew. If the world can see that in us and receive that from us, that's the game changer. That's the gospel. That's the good news. God doesn't want to fix you. He wants you to die and be raised into new life in him. Whoa. To live in that, I can do that. I've had a hard time with it. You can do that. He's the firstborn of many. He made the way for you. You don't even... You doing it? He gives it to you as a gift. Stunning. I know I use that word a lot, but I'm stunned a lot lately. He gave you... How did this happen? A brand new heart. This passage of scripture. All things are new. He gave you a new heart. 
Listen to Hebrews 10. It describes this whole process because a lot of us think we have bad hearts, wicked hearts, naughty, nasty hearts that sometimes like good and sometimes are really bad. Hebrews 10. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Ooh, what? That's a game changer, and that's another sermon, but... Uh... We'll come back to it a little bit. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. It's done. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. It's your mind that tries to tell you your heart's dirty. Huh? It's your thinking that tries to tell you that you got a dirty heart. Duh, you know. <sighs> Cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us, what, what do we do then? Hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. What's my part? Believe it. Receive it. And say it again. Say it again. Say it again. I'm the church of the firstborn. I don't try to be new. I am new. I'm not a, uh, boy, I won't even say who it was, but one old preacher who I loved and loved and loved um, always said this when people asked who he was. He said, I'm just an old fat guy trying to get to heaven. <laughs> no! <laughs> that's not, I'm sorry, that's not it, and that's not the good news. Fat or skinny, tall or short, has nothing to do with it. And I'm not trying to get to heaven. Heaven came into me. Am I going to heaven? You bet. See that verse 23 it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. It's not my heart I have to convince, it's my thoughts. My head, it needs to be renewed and transformed, transformed to align with my heart. If God gave me a new heart, why do I have to have my heart renewed? 
I have a new heart. You remember this? Everybody always used to say this. Well, I, I, I know it here. Or I, I know it up here, but I can't get it here. Do you remember people saying that? I, it must have been 20 conferences and 47 altar calls. I've had knowledge, but I just can't sense it or feel it. No, he gave you a new heart. We had it backwards. I have it here. It's this thing. It's the 12 inches, 18 inches up here that needs to get convinced. My heart is new. Your heart is new. Kick, the, kick that idea of feelings that my heart's in my feelings. Kick that out of your nomenclature up here. It doesn't tell us any place in the New Testament to have your heart renewed. It tells you to have your mind renewed. Yeah. Your heart's good. You have a new heart. It looks like the heart of Jesus. That's the whole new covenant. I will give them a new heart. Sure. My heart is just pounding. I'm about ready to... I, I just heard something this week that really goes with what you're saying, that there's this Hebrew word, asa, and it means to create. And it's the same word that God used when he created the unit. You know, let there be light. Let there be... Well, it's when Jesus said, it is finished... It's that word. It's the same word. So what he was saying was, I'm creating, there's a new creation now. I just thought that was exactly what you're saying, and it really hit me strongly that God was saying that same, that that word, asa, is what Jesus was saying when he said, it is finished. It's so interesting in Romans 12, thank you, that he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies. It's, it's, it's actually as a living sacrifice. And this is what he says about it. Holy, acceptable to God. It's such a stunning word. It's such a... Which is your reasonable service, it says in the New King James, that actually in, in three of the other translators, it talks about your reasonable act of worship. This is worship that you present yourself as holy and blameless to God. And Why? So we're not conformed to the world, the world's way of thinking, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When my thoughts line up with what my heart has been made, I will think new thoughts. I will think better thoughts. I will think great thoughts. I will think Jesus' thoughts. My heart was renewed when I received Jesus, the firstborn of the resurrection. I got a resurrected heart and a resurrected life. Romans 6 says, He died, I died. He was buried, I was buried. He rose from the dead, 
I rose from the dead. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, what's true of him is true of you. Whew. What does that look like? Way different than how we've been living. We're getting ready to take communion this day. And I have a question. So this is a time, oftentimes you hear to do a, a searching and, and, and all that. The question is this today for us as we get ready to partake of communion. By the way, those little cups have the wafer on top of them. We're doing that now to make sure it's safe for everybody. Here's the question that I want you to think through before we take communion. What does your heart tell you? This morning, what does your heart tell you? Is it born again? If it's not, that's simple. Receive him. It's, it's so simple. Can you take the top of that off for me? It is so... I've never known anything more profoundly simple than this. If you don't have that in your heart, just say, Jesus, come into my heart and make your abode in me. Make your life in me. I receive you as my salvation sent to me from God the Father. Wow. My heart becomes born again new. And I'm listed in that long line where he's the firstborn. But here's what's incredible. The line is long. A long line with no distance and no delay. <laughs> Stunning. What happens if I'm a believer and my, like, my heart's not like, it's felt really weird and far off. Listen to this before we take communion. Listen to this. The reality is you've been born again. Uh, he planted himself in you to look like him. 1 John 3, 18. Listen to how John puts this. Just let your hearts receive it. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth. Here comes the measurement. And shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. And knows all things. I can't get it all figured out. I'm not that smart. But he's greater than my heart. And my heart's brand new and looks like him. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments. It's not you have to keep them to receive from Him. We receive from Him and keep His commandments. 
and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment. Here's the biggie. This is the new covenant that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. When my heart does get iffy, I just run boldly to the throne of grace, go, Jesus. He goes, oh, I'm greater than your heart. That's just your old thoughts trying to creep up. Come here, kid. I don't know if I've had every tear wiped away, but with the gospel, man, it's pretty close. It's pretty darn close. God didn't come here to fix you. God here came here to live a brand new life in you, in your heart. And not just in like the best of times, at the worst when it's hard and you're grieving and you lost. Or it doesn't feel like it's real anymore. And he can come. He says, I'm not going to renew your heart. I'm going to renew your thoughts. Come here. Let me tell you some things about you and I. I want to awaken your heart again. I will love you forever. I will never let go of you. I will be with you on your worst day. I will rejoice with you on your best days. I will be with you forever. I prayed for you to my Father. And I said to him, Father, let them have what I have with you. Just as I am in you and you are in me, let me be in them and them in me. Too often we forget what it's like to be born again. What does your heart tell you? Take a minute. Hold this bread element. Lord, for two centuries now, we've been celebrating this way in you. This is the way you gave for us to acknowledge the good news. That we could be reminded. Lord, you said on the night that you were betrayed, take, eat, this is my body which was broken for you. Lord, we remind our thoughts and renew our thoughts in you today by receiving this element that your body was broken for me as me to be raised. And I receive it. I remind my thoughts again. I receive it into me in that manner. 
In Jesus' name, you can partake of the bread. It says that in like manner, in the same way, you raised the cup and you said, this is the blood of the new covenant. It's not the real blood, but this is symbolically the blood where it says the sins are gone forever. This is how it was taken out of the way. Through the blood. It's gone. Completely gone. Not covered. Gone. Not pardoned. Acquitted. This is the power. We sing the old song. The power in the blood. This is it. This is that breath. This is what he did. It's finished. Would you partake? Now on Easter Sunday, and for every day, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. He is risen.